Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I've got back with us uh, our friend, Lori Krieg. And so, Lori, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be back. Yeah, so last time we had Lori on, it was really uh, exciting to be able to hear her story, just kind of the journey uh, that she has been on. And then also how exciting it is that God has just called her into a ministry to be able to to come alongside um, people uh, with LGBT issues and just be able to, to walk alongside and uh, be able to identify and empathize and just uh, really help. Uh, I love how you, you named your ministry Hole in My Heart Ministries because it's easy for us to get so attached to a lot of the externals, a lot of the outcroppings of any type of um, brokenness or anything like that, or just that we forget that every human being on the planet um, exists in this post-fallen world, right? The, we're all living in some form of a broken state. Um, and so I just want to dive right in, Lori, because I'd love for our listeners to just, uh, those who weren't with us last time, if you can give them just a little bit of a synopsis of your story. And then I would love for you to share with us some of the the key elements that you teach and train in your ministry, especially for those of us who want to do a better job of, of loving our neighbors well and loving um, LGBT people really well. Yep, definitely. Well, yeah, I'm so glad to be back. And just a quick synopsis from the last time, grew up in a Christian home, felt these attractions toward my same gender from a young age and was in a relationship in college. And then, uh, really didn't know how to categorize myself in the sense that I wasn't like a stereotype of what mm-hmm. I understood I should be. I felt like if I was in a same sex relationship, I should be like out in the world and like hate Jesus, but I loved Jesus. And so, but then the Jesus loving people I knew didn't know how to engage me slash didn't talk about this at all. Um, it was kind of in a revolution stage of like where we could talk about heterosexual pornography, but not this for sure. And so someone patiently walked alongside me and didn't teach me how to become straight, but helped to remove barriers between that God shaped hole in my heart filled with good needs. And the one who is the actual meter of those needs and helped me to be able to feel them and name them and, and understand what was coming between these good needs and God. Um, and it was a lot of things like, it wasn't just, Oh, same sex behavior. It was, uh, lies or pain or just misbeliefs about God. And, uh, I, I didn't become straight. I just became empowered by God's love to daily die to myself still today to my natural defaults, which I have many, which are, you know, people pleasing or performance or these sexualizing a relationship with a woman that I can go toward in my mind, but I can surrender those now because of God's love and run toward Christ. Mm-hmm. So we at Hole in My Heart Ministries, uh, HIMH, we're trying to replicate that <laughs> uh, in that season of really wrestling and, you know, between death or coming out. I, I asked God, because I never knew, I never heard of anyone like me, my sort of story. And I said, God, if I make it through this, will you please give me the privilege of looking even half a step behind me and encouraging another person? Mm. 
So I, I do that. I used to do this more. I walk alongside a couple people one-on-one, but really what I'm trying to do is work myself out of a job. Absolutely. Yeah. Church to be so amazing. As I'm sure you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I want the church. Our mission is to equip the church, Jesus followers with a gospel centered approach to sexuality and then our vision. So how do we know when we've equipped you know, Jesus followers is when the church becomes a safe place to cultivate holy wholeness and holiness in people wrestling with sexuality. So I want to see the church. I want to equip y'all. So we come alongside the church um, in many ways. Well, and I love that because I think sometimes what ends up happening is we see this a lot in recovery ministry. We, we do, we, our, our history has been filled with a lot of recover, addiction recovery ministry, addiction to pornography, addiction to sex in all forms. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter where it falls on the spectrum in terms of heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, any addiction, we've had a lot of experience in that. And I find it fascinating how many people get what I call stuck in recovery, yeah. meaning they don't realize that this isn't, this isn't something about, and I put this in relationship to disciple making. Sometimes we get stuck in discipleship, meaning like we think that this isn't about something that should be replicated. Meaning I look at it as like when I, when I'm taking a guy through recovery from porn addiction, I don't expect him to be attached to me forever. He can't be. I have to, I have to be able to work him through a process of really understanding what are the deep core things. It's not merely about behavior. When you start to get the transformation of the heart changed to where now we have that heart of flesh that is obedient and sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You're ready to now go out and disciple somebody. You're ready to go out and, and uh, help somebody else in recovery. Cause if, if, if we kind of stay in that perpetual state of in recovery, then the transformation isn't actually happening. Now that doesn't mean, I don't think that that doesn't mean that there's not further growth and maturity and those kind of things that are needed. But I do think there's somewhat of a, a baseline that we can reach in which there is stability and health and strength that now is ready to be passed along. And is that kind of what you're talking about? Like how do you walk alongside people to where, they, like you, were able to say, I, I'm recognizing the voice of God in my life, and I'm, I'm starting to learn how to surrender on a more consistent basis yeah. those natural bents to the Lordship of Jesus, and what does that look like to walk in obedience? Yeah, and I will say, you know, it's not just LGBT people and addicts who need discipleship. Absolutely. Every single person needs discipleship. Uh, at, at, at different points and then also so when I'm walking with people and what I've, I've been recently adding into a lot of my talks is if you want to walk alongside a, dis- a discipleship relationship of any variety including LGBT we need to view them not as our disciples or that mm-hmm. we the good people are like patting them on the head and there are little pets that we get to like lead around I view everyone as a future disciple maker because I want them, I need them. (laughs) We need you to build the kingdom. We need you to usher in the kingdom. So it's like, I I view it as like, okay, we're all in this battle. And yeah, you might be down or, you know, like getting lost in some things, but I see you because God made you, I need you on my team. And so exactly that, what we do in this equipping is, is help go to churches and in the most, um, 
most frequent response that we get after doing something like we call it actually a journey well workshop. That's our like six hour training we do. The most frequent response we get is this is just good information about how to like be a person. <laughs> right. And, right. And like the we light yeah, we, we get this, the, the most common response I've gotten from the grace based recovery book yeah. Yeah. is, well, this looks like discipleship that every believer needs. I'm like, well, yeah, it is. We're just applying it to recovery, you know, so it just hasn't been in this space before. And it's, it's so funny because it, but the truth is, is if we need a gay gospel or a, a gospel that's specific for LGBT people, we're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like it's so funny because when it comes to this conversation, like nothing else, is everyone's hair seems to just light on fire. They're, and they're like, well, there, there needs to be different. There is different language we do need to learn. And there are some specific ways that we can walk like with tenderness as Jesus, you know, he knew how to, he knows how to walk with each of us. But the same gospel is good news for everyone every day. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I love about what you're saying is it makes me think about how when Jesus, when Jesus walked on earth and how he, he literally touched people, he literally healed people. But what was amazing to me is how it's the same Jesus, but his methods weren't always the same. So like when you think about how he would heal a blind person, yeah, right. maybe one time he'd just say it. Another time he'd touch their eyes. Another time he'd slap mud on their face. It's like, well, and, and we're, a lot of times our tendency, especially when we're trying to construct maybe processes for how to help people, is we get stuck into methodology thinking. We, we forget, oh, it needs to be the same Jesus that is doing this transformation. And let's not try to kind of box him into a particular method because he didn't box himself into that any kind of method. He healed a bunch of people with the same issue but he did it in a personal and unique way. And I think that's instructive for us to realize while people may be able to be put into kind of a larger quote unquote category of a similar kind of dynamic, every person is unique and, and a personal image bearer of God. And so I think we need to meet them in their story in the same way Jesus met people in their story. Exactly. And in that process, like I, what I hear is I picture Jesus as you're describing that is he had no fear, mm -hmm. he was fearless in his ability and, and trust. Like you just picture him just being like, God, how do you want to meet this person? And that I know I'm in a sweet space in, in either speaking or writing or walking alongside someone is when I, I am both in my heart and in my mind, just like, God, I trust you that, yes, I've done this study. I've read these books. I've, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm woke to the conversation, but at the end of the day, which this is a part of all of our training is we go, yeah, guess what you get to do guys is you get to listen to God and you get to ask him, how do you want me to walk with this person? Now, when you, when you and I were off air, you mentioned kind of this handful of like principles or key things that you try to, to help people um, grow in or walk in to do this well. So can you share some of those with our listeners? Yep. So when we go do like a shorter version of our journey while training, we'll try and just talk to ministry leaders and we'll say, here's some steps for you to start taking to journey well. And one of the first ones is to know what you believe. And that can be, you know, just, well, duh. You know, I believe God's designed for marriage, the man or woman, anything outside of that is wrong. Okay. Do you know why you believe that? 
Uh, do you know uh, that most people who hold to the affirming worldview, so that is that God affirms and, and allows same-sex marriage, they've done their homework and they can run circles around you. Now, I don't want you to be able to argue. Here's why I do want you to know the reasons why, is that most people, if you listen to when they change their theology, I'll have parents come to me, kid came out as gay or as trans or bi, whatever. And they're like, ah, hair on fire, like I mentioned. They're freaking out the next day, the next week, the next month. They've totally changed their theology in order to love, love their kid. And it's because they don't know why that what is true. They don't know that what's true is actually good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't actually know the whys. And that what's true and good is actually possible to live out well. So those are three characteristics. Those are three things that we need to engage in when we're asking these questions of what I believe. Because PhD theologians, when do they change their theology? almost overnight because someone a real person is crying real tears in front of them and their heart breaks which it should break mm -hmm. and they should feel for them but we don't need to change our theology based on someone's tears we need our theology to change our hearts so that we can engage those tears and really suffer well with them as we look to this hard thing called surrendering every day so i that's what I, I, I love that. And that's one of these things that also just points me right back to Jesus. You know, he was the embodiment of truth. Yes. And, and yet we find him in all of these circumstances and in all of these relationships that had all the religious leaders scratching their head and even kind of turning away because they were thinking this guy certainly can't be, he can't actually be from God because he's doing all these things. But what I love about the example of Jesus is that we don't hear of Jesus developing these re relationships in order to now deconstruct himself into something that either matches or replicates the environment that he's in. No, he was, he was who he was in every single circumstance. And what I love about that is it shows that the, the way he was such a magnet to those who were so marginalized was not because he was seeking to diminish truth. It was, it was actually that he was seeking to actually fully embody it. Um, and I think we struggle with that because let's just be honest. We all come with our own set of baggage to whatever relationship we're in, whether it's a marriage relationship, a parent relationship, a child relationship, a coworker, a, a, you know, even the checkout person at the grocery store. Like we come with all of our, our baggage. And so we have to recognize that our lives are filtered through that lens. And I think sometimes when we're looking through that lens and who we are looking at doesn't match what, that lens looks like to us, we automatically have a sense of fear. And there's, there's a sense of tension there. And I think one of the things that at least in terms of like, know what you believe is I think the reason we need to know what we believe is not in order for what does that look like for those other people in our lives, but we need to know what we believe so that when we hit those moments where we go, I just felt fear, I just felt anxiety. We need to know what we believe so that it changes us in terms of like transforms us and goes, what, what is blocking me from loving my neighbor? Because Jesus said all the law and the prophets hinges on loving your neighbor as yourself. So if I have some kind of blockade that is saying, 
I don't want to love that person, Jesus. Then it's not about that person. Jesus is saying, let's take a look at your heart and see what is, what is blocking that. And, and is that some of what you try to help people with is it's not about knowing what you believe in order to create a hammer out of it, but more of knowing what you believe so that it helps us to love well. Is that what you would? Exactly. And that's like one of our hopes and promises when we start any of our workshops is that we hope that people will look at their own hearts and actions before they look at the hearts and actions of others. And so we, we have this thing called a heart map, which is really when I talked about our, my story last time, how I said how we have this God-shaped hole in our heart. Um, and in you, Jonathan, you even said, Lori, I can't relate to maybe some of the nuances at the behavior level, but you could even relate to me at the emotion level. Absolutely. In my mess, even though we ran to different things, uh, even, our, even if it's our natural default, um, because of the fall, you could relate to that mess inside. Mm-hmm. And so that's really, we try and take people on this journey of the heart as Jesus does. You know, it's, the heart's mentioned 729 times in the ESV version. King James goes crazy a little bit more with the heart talk. But the 729 times that's in the Bible, it's never about the blood pumping organ that's in your chest. It's all about our desires. It's that it's that impulse. It's that, what am I moving toward or why am I moving away? And again, something about this conversation, we have given license in the church because it's been so us versus them in the pulpit or just dead silence. When we're silent, the loudest voices speak for us. And so because it's been so like, oh, those, them out there and, you know, we're, maybe LGBT kids are killing themselves, but I think there's like this third level in our mind that's like, well, maybe they deserve it, which is just appalling because who of us actually deserves eternal life. Right. And so when we feel that like guttural, like ew, like the, the step back specifically from LGBT people, we've almost given ourselves license and permission to not engage because that's the way we've been engaging for decades. And so if we can break it down to this heart level where maybe, okay, I can't understand what we're running to, but I understand the emotional pain, that loneliness or worthlessness, or Lori, I understand that um, your need to be seen or your need to have significance, Jonathan, I get it at that heart level. So let's, let's see where we can get it and let's see how we can spur each other on toward daily surrender. So now, so what are some of the other things that you're seeking to instill in people or help them to be thinking through as it pertains to really trying to love our LGBT neighbors well? There's many things, but as I'm just even praying right now, what would be helpful is I think knowing some of the language nuances. Uh, So people will maybe group LGBT people and maybe you're listening right now and like, why are you saying that? Isn't it just like homosexuals? Uh, And why do I have to use all these letters or so PC and we can do this eye roll and and I would say with gentleness is, is if you wanted to be an effective missionary or disciple maker anywhere, and I'll say a foreign country, wouldn't you want to study the culture, study the language, study like how to engage before just going in and you're like, I'm just going to wear this and I'm just going to use the language I know. And then you're like, why aren't they coming to Jesus? I'm yelling. I even have signs. Right. Uh, but we need to understand the language. So there's a couple of things. So using LGBT, which stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and saying LGBT people as opposed to 
homosexuals, for example, it's gracious, it's hospitable, it's language that will be heard so you can get to that heart level. Also to say homosexuals or the homosexual lifestyle to describe all the people, it's, it's untrue. I have a friend who loves Jesus. He born male, married to his wife, female, attracted to women and his wife, but he wrestles with his gender identity, not his sexual identity. Uh, so he's attracted to his wife. And so his gender identity is that when he looks in the mirror, he feels like his male body and how he feels about his maleness don't match. That's not sin. That's called pain. That's called, this is hard for me. Um, so just knowing, so if we used the term homosexuals to describe him, that just wouldn't be accurate. And so I just, mm -hmm. I'd ask him, how do you want to identify? So let me ask you a question as, as I can just imagine maybe some of the common questions that would come in response to that idea of learn the language. Um, when, when you have essentially the LGBT sort of culture seemingly shifting at such a, such a rapid rate yeah. and so much language being added mm -hmm. into that whole, you know, long list of letters. Yeah. How is one to keep up with it? You know, it's kind of like, it feels like it's a moving target. It feels like it's constantly, there's, there may be a core element to the, the culture and the language, but it seems like lately yeah. it's expanding at such a rapid rate for, right. for just kind of the common person out there. That seems like a huge task to try to, to not be offensive. <laughs> totally, it is. And, but Jonathan, here's what I, I always say. And what I mean by not be offensive is, is not be offensive unintentionally. Well, and this is what I'm going to highlight and how you're even asking the question. Is in any of our trainings, we always say, what supersedes any of your language stuff is your heart of humility. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my transgender friends, she'll say, she'll say, you know what? It's not even that you, you know, the exact right pronoun. It's how you're saying even my preferred pronouns or how, how you're saying these things. It's, it's, are you saying it in a way that's God, I really want to get this right. And I'm sorry if I misstep. If you said that to an LGBT person, they would, their heart, you'd get a huge long tow rope of, okay, you actually want to get to my heart. So you're going to try and learn it. So I think a good phrase to learn is that whole LGBT people. And yes, there's 174 genders in Canada that you can identify as. And so just saying LGBT and, and recognizing, okay, maybe you don't have to learn every single one, but just having that heart of humility, not to change your theology, but so that you can speak heart to heart. So I'm going to speak at this behavior word level so we can talk at a heart level, because if we put our foot down and say, without humility, no, I'm not going to learn it. No, I don't want to hear what you're called. You're a she, you're born she, 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 she. Why would anyone want to approach you with their actual like pain and wrestling and really diagnose their heart of where they need Jesus in a conversation with you? If we put our foot down, you will never get to the heart level. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I find it interesting, like even in, even in the Bible, when it talks about who, who Jesus was hanging out with, oh, yeah. it, it, there were labels. <laughs> I mean, it was like tax collectors, prostitutes. I mean, it was kind of like, that's where they are right now. 
And Jesus was okay with being where they were right then. So much so that he was a called one. Right. Like, yeah. Oh, he eats with the drunkards and the sinners. Yeah. Now, I think where I, I can already predict where a, a lot of our listeners and maybe just even a lot of people in the church really struggle with this is the idea of feeling like it's um, feeling like these two things are too, too far apart, staying true to what I believe and yet meeting people where they are and feeling like the, the feel and it's, it's not necessarily true that those things are far apart, but it can feel to people like those things are very far apart. How do you help them kind of pull those together to where it says you can still like Jesus. He didn't change his theology. He didn't, he was who he was, but at the same time, he was incredibly willing to reach out and literally touch people and literally be at dinner with them and engage life with them. How do you help people pull those things together? Yep. Well, you look at, you know, Keller talks about Jesus when he engaged the woman caught in adultery. And he's like, he's not some halfway compromise between truth and grace. He is like full melt in your mouth, gentle, while also being just and righteous to the nth degree that the world has never seen its like. We, so people are feeling like, how can you have grace and truth walk next to each other? You're not alone. But look at what Jesus did with that woman caught in adultery. First step he takes is he steps in to save her life. We need to care about anti-bullying things so that kids, dead kids can't hear the gospel. So dead, this dead woman couldn't hear the gospel. He stepped in to save her life so they wouldn't throw the stones at her. He turns the finger back on the hypocrites. Now he never said, and we'll get to there. He never says she didn't deserve death. She right. Well, he says, so do you, you guys, I know this is a trap. I know you set this up and I know that you engage in the same thing she does in your heart or with your actions. And so you could break that down about how they did that. And then he goes to her and he sees her in her mess and loves her as is, which helps to remove shame. And so he says, where are your accusers? And again, he, then he names sin. The last thing he does is he names sin as sin. Mm -hmm. Go no more. Our first knee jerk is, oh yeah, everyone's yelling at this kid and calling him a sinner or calling him whatever things. We want to throw the stone too, but let's be like Jesus to step in, point the fingers back at our own hearts, confess where we've been hypocrites and lean in with grace and love. And I think it's also important in that to remember that, that only Jesus is the one that could perfectly keep in full balance grace and truth. And so the other thing that's important, I think, then for us is to recognize that when we are seeking to love well, we recognize that it's not on us Amen. to fully hold that grace and truth. Because remember, we're bringing our own brokenness into whatever the relationship is. And if we think that we're going to perfectly hold in balance grace and truth, we're making a false assumption about our own abilities. So I think that's also why it's important that we need to remember, Christ, you need to come to the front in me, and, and I need you to be able to hold these things. Because the reality is I've had to face in my own life, am I okay with that tension yeah. that I feel? And I think we need to get more familiar and more comfortable with the reality that we're going to feel that tension, but Jesus can carry that tension. Jesus can be grace and truth through us. And we don't have to have that anxiety to say one nice sentence, one true sentence. Right. That's, that's how I hear it. Oh, I was nice. Now I have to be 
rude or truthy. Like trust that there is love in that in love there is truth. Yeah. He wins. Well, Lori, this is great stuff. And we're going to actually have to, to wrap things up there. But please tell our listeners how they can get in touch with your ministry and your resources and how they can just connect with uh, what you're doing. Yeah, so Whole in My Heart Ministries is the name. And so the website is himhministries.com. And so you can connect with us there. Hear more about our training, just ask questions, find other resources. So we'd be glad to connect. Well, this has been wonderful and uh, really instructive for me and our listeners. And thank you, Lori, for what you're doing. You're so welcome. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. Well, listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. And we sure look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.